This is Reset. I'm Natalie Moore, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Students face lots of jitters before the start of school, making a good impression, picking an outfit, wondering what teachers will be like. But for incoming college freshmen and even new high school seniors, tuition is top of mind. The price tag to attend college and university has climbed over the past several decades by almost 70 percent, leaving students wondering how they can afford to earn degrees. Later in the episode, we'll dig into how to choose a college major. But first, financial aid. Lynn Baker is with the Illinois Student Assistance Commission. She starts with who should be considering financial aid right now. Basically, everyone should consider financial aid. There are lots of scholarships and grants, things you don't have to pay back that are available to students. So uh, that's what they should be thinking about first. And should it be college freshmen, families of high school juniors, seniors? How early should you? I mean, I think people are always thinking about it, but sure. actually considering and getting the next steps. Sure. Well, certainly if you're a high school senior, you should definitely be thinking about that. And you'll complete the FAFSA uh, as well this year if you're thinking about going to college next year. Um, But also, if you are already in college, you should be thinking about it. You know, sometimes we think, oh, we've already got our financial aid. But, you know, there are new scholarships and grants that come up. So um, college students should continue to look for those every single year that they're in college. And if you're a rising junior, you should start, you know, you're going to start thinking in high school. You're going to start thinking about, you know, where do I want to go? What are the kind of costs that I'm going to see? Tuition is only part of that cost. What else do people need to be taking into consideration to understand the full cost of attending college? Sure. Well, it's very helpful. I will say that on most college websites, in fact, I think they have to have them on all college websites, uh, there is a net price calculator. And that will give students a pretty good idea of what it might cost. It's not going to be perfect. But you're going to take into account things not just like uh, tuition and fees, but books and supplies, transportation, room and board. There's lots of miscellaneous costs. So there's a whole set of costs when you're budgeting for college. I remember my younger sister had considered going to Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, and my mom said, too inconvenient. There's no direct flight. You're not flying to Atlanta, (laughs) taking a bus. That's just too much. And so that was, you know, part of the the cost that you, the hidden cost of it's getting someplace. It's always part of the calculation. I think sometimes where people make a mistake and they don't really think about it is that people think, oh, my gosh, a private university is going to be so much more expensive than a public. That can be true. But you actually have to look at what the financial aid offer is they're giving you because sometimes a private university might actually be giving you more money. Um, you know, Florida might have been giving you a bunch of money uh, that would have made up the cost of flying there, right? So you actually have to look into the nitty-gritty details. We're, we're talking about college students and rising juniors and seniors, but I wonder if you have any advice for parents of young children because I just said that the cost has grown 70%. Like, who knows that it will be in 10, 15 years? What, can, what should parents of young children now start thinking Well, sure. And certainly uh, college is something that people need to start thinking about as early as possible, not only because you're going to save some money for your kids, but it also sends a message to your 
kids, hey, we want you to complete your education. We want you to go further in your education. Um, so there are a lot of different programs out there. There's a Bright Start program uh, through uh, the state of Illinois. That's the 529 That's program. That's the 529 program. So there are programs out there for savings, and it's something that uh, parents need to be thinking about now. But you, they can also sort of educate themselves on uh, what's really happening with college costs and, and, and what's available to students. If students are going to be paying on their own, where should they start? Well, first and foremost, they need to start by completing the free application for federal student aid, which is the FAFSA. That is the form that is going to determine eligibility for all federal aid, for much state aid, as well as sometimes some institutional aid. That's where you start. You don't know how much you're going to get until you fill out that form. Uh, there is a form called the Alternative Application for Illinois Financial Aid. That is for undocumented students who might not be eligible for federal student aid. They can use that to apply for state aid. And that FAFSA form, it's not just the student filling it out. A student just can't, if they have caregivers or parents, they have to apply Yes. Also. Well, so dependent students uh, do have to have their parents complete the form. If you're an independent student, uh, you do not have to have a parent complete the form. Yes, so you do. And and important thing to remember for anybody who's completing that this year, your parents need an FSA ID to fill out the form, and the student needs an FSA ID. That's a number that you get that you need to fill it out. Are there any big changes that we can expect from FAFSA this year? Yeah, so there has been a FAFSA Simplification Act that's going into effect this year with the new FAFSA for uh, uh, 24-25. That FAFSA this year will see fewer questions on the FAFSA. Uh, We're going to see some things removed, like selective service questions, uh, drug convictions are removed, questions about drug convictions. The other thing that I think is probably very important to know is that while the FAFSA usually becomes available in October, this year, and we believe uh, from the Department of Ed that it's only this year, it's not going to be available until December because they are making all these changes. We know that many students finance through loans. Tell us the difference between subsidized and unsubsidized loans. Sure. So uh, an unsubsidized loan, with that type of loan, a student is going to be responsible for interest while they are in college. Unsubsidized loans, I mean subsidized loans, the uh, 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 federal government will pay for interest while you are in college. So uh, mostly if you're a low-income student, you will have more of an opportunity to get a subsidized loan. So you, students don't get to decide which loans that they are it's, given. Yeah, it's ba- well, it's based on uh, it's based on income and a lot of other factors when you complete the FAFSA. Um, it is important, and I do t- we tell students this all the time. If you are going to take out loans, you should, if you can, take out federal direct loans rather than private loans. There's usually better interest rates and a lot more flexibility. For our rising high school seniors, this is also the time that they want to start thinking about scholarships. What should they know and where should they start looking? Sure. So first of all, there are some great resources out there to look for scholarships. There is a resource that uh, ISAC has on our student portal called CapEx. Great resource to look for scholarships, but also look at 
the institutions that you're interested in and look at their websites because they list their scholarships as well. ISAC, of course, uh, administers many, many scholarships for the state. Uh, We have many scholarships on our website, particularly for specific programs like teaching, nursing, um, a a slew of very specific programs. So there are a lot of scholarships available. Uh, Do your research. You don't want to give up money that you don't have to pay back. There are so many scholarships that are out there. But one resource is your high school counselor. How often should students be meeting with those counselors, checking in? I I know some parents hire people to help. And I'm like, you have a high school counselor. Why aren't you <laughs> utilizing that person? Correct. Yeah. So, yes, I think students, if, if they feel comfortable, should absolutely be talking to their high school counselor as much as possible. Go to all the sessions that they that they offer. They offer sessions for parents as well. Parents should attend those sessions. Read those emails because there's going to be great information in there. I know students don't always love to read emails, but... There's usually great information in there. Uh, We have the ISAC Corps, which is a a statewide near-peer mentors that help support high school counselors across the state. Um, Reach out to an ISAC Corps member in your community. They can also help you search for scholarships. Um, So there's lots of resources out there. you got to take advantage of them. How much should cost be a deciding factor in the decision of where to apply? Well, certainly, it's a it's a, a really important factor for some families. It's it's a critical factor, um, but again, it's important to compare and uh, all of the costs. Uh, we have a great tool on our website called the Financial Aid Offer Comparison Tool, where you can actually put in your financial aid offers from different colleges and universities and get an apples to apples comparison. You know, what am I going to get? Um, I think. One thing that's really important for a student is to start out and start thinking about what it is I want to do, what path do I want to follow, and then go from there. It might be worthwhile to go to a community college for two years and then transfer if you need to save money. So there's a lot of options. Cost is an important factor, but there are many other factors for students to consider. Given these high costs, have you noticed any trends about where students are deciding to go to college? Do we see enrollment up in state schools, for example? Uh, I don't have all the trend information for you now. I will say, and this is maybe some good news, tuition fees actually have moderated over the last decade. We haven't seen um, the kind of huge increases that we saw a couple of decades ago. It doesn't mean they're not going up, but they have moderated. And of course, there's lots of factors that go into that. Could state support for higher education is a factor. Inflation is a factor. Enrollments are a factor. Um, So there are a lot of options available. I think we've seen enrollments actually decreased pretty significantly during COVID, unsurprisingly. Um, And now we're seeing a a little bit more of a pickup. People's financial situations are never permanent. If someone's financial state changes, how should they adapt? Uh, So if you are in college and your financial situation changes, you should absolutely reach out to that institution, to to the financial aid office, and talk to them because they will be able to best guide you on the steps that you need to take to address that. Um, you're filling out the FAFSA every year, so your your information may change every year as well. But again, um, there are 
things that can be done if you have some major financial circumstances that change. Even though you mentioned that there's been some moderation, can students expect tuition to go up at their college when they're enrolled? Yeah. So if you are at an Illinois public university, your tuition is frozen for four years. So when you start, you know, it's going to be the same unless you decide to change your major and there might be a tuition differential in your major. If you're in liberal arts and you go to engineering and there's a significant tuition differential, you might see that. But otherwise, your tuition will be frozen. Um, we've seen about 2% increases per year. So that it's obviously not going to be the same for private institutions. Those, those don't fall under that law. The Illinois Student Assistance Commission works with a lot of people from around the state who are first generation and low income. What's the most common question or sentiment you get from those students and families? Well, I think the biggest question is, how am I going to pay for college? You know, what are we going to do? We don't even think we can afford college. And I think what we try to tell people a lot is you actually might have many more options than you think you do. We just need to explore those for you. And it doesn't always involve taking out a huge amount of student loan debt. Are there any policies that should be considered when dealing with the cost of college and just how things work in this country, maybe compared to other places? Well, certainly we have a different system in this country than we do in in other countries in terms of access to education. I would say um, we've seen a huge increase in uh, aid for students over the last couple of years. Um, and so kudos to our governor and to the General Assembly for increasing, for example, the MAP grant, the Monetary Award Program grant. That's the largest grant for low-income college students in the state. And that is now at $701 million, uh, a year in funding. That is a, a, a huge increase um, and that is going to help a lot more students get to college. So, and 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 actually, if you are a low-income college student in this state, uh, you can go to community college basically for free. So. Okay. Well, we have a caller, Guido from Northbrook. Yeah, I just had a question. You know, when students look at schools, to what extent should they be considering their degree and and really the financial? Uh, I guess, future associated with that degree. So, for example, you know, if you went to DePaul, I went to DePaul, and you're going to have about a $230,000 tuition, but you decide to be a film major. Um, you know, when you're graduating, you know, for a lot of students, you're out there and you're a barista. So, you know, as opposed to going to DePaul and being a film major, or being a, let's say, a finance major or whatever, a business major. So, I guess... For young students or folks looking at schools, how should they kind of calibrate their expectations around what the earnings are going to be and then what the the reality of what the tuition is going to be? I think that's a great question. And, um, you know, I I, uh, fully understand the urge uh, to the artistic urge, um, have that myself. So I understand that. I think the important thing is for students to be informed. There are some great tools out there, the Illinois High School to Career app, the Illinois College to Career app, Illinois post-secondary profiles that actually let students and parents look at what earnings will be in certain careers, like real data on what a student is going to make. You know, 
um, with different pathways and different course programs. That's important for students to know because you may still decide, hey, I want to be a filmmaker at DePaul, but you, I want to take that course. But you may say, you know what, I got to figure out ways to support that so I don't end up with $200,000 in debt that is going to be really hard to pay off when I'm working at Starbucks for a couple of years. So it's getting the data up front and making smart financial decisions around that. doesn't need to change what you want to do necessarily. Maybe you'll go to another school for that where you might get more money. Maybe DePaul will give you some scholarship money. So that's what you really need to be thinking about. Lynn Baker is from Illinois Student Assistance Commission. Lynn, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Once you have a better understanding of how you're going to afford going to college, there's still so many more questions to tackle. What classes should you pick? How do you adjust to a heavier workload? And how do you select the right major? And do some majors pay off more than others? We turn now to Stacia Edwards, Deputy Provost of the City Colleges of Chicago. I start by asking her if there is such a thing as a wrong major. Wow, that is such a a great question. Um, You know, we have students who walk in our doors and they know exactly what they want to do and what they want to study. And as you can imagine, we also have students on the other end of the spectrum who believe that they uh, need education in order to connect with the labor market, but they're just not sure what it is that they want to do. So uh, we have a number of, um, we actually have an office of career services, and they have some tools that they can use to guide the student into um, careers that really connect the student with something that's meaningful for them. How often does a major decide the career someone goes into? Well, I would say, you know, we have um, specific career and technical education pathways, and those are in areas like IT, manufacturing, and healthcare. And when you go into one of those pathways, those are definitely related to a career at the end. We also have other degree programs um, that really are uh, much broader, but they're guiding students into fields like business or they may be guiding people into areas of communication. Um, But those programs just aren't as specific because, as you can imagine, there are many occupations that could benefit from the education that a student gets in one of those um, majors. We just had a caller in the previous segment talk about, well, this college costs this amount, and if you want to be a film person, maybe you're going to end up being a barista. Um, How do you deal with students who have a certain idea in mind for a major, even their parents, and weighing like, oh, is this going to reap benefits financially versus here what I'm pa- here's what I'm passionate about? You know, what I think is interesting is um, the community college plays a really excellent, we, we, we just have a really good space for that. Because you can come to the community college, the costs are very low. And you can have the time that you need to explore some of these areas. So, you know, for filmmaking, for instance, we do have some programming here related to film, related to um, that type of communication technology. And so it might be good for a student to dabble a little bit to determine if that really is where their life passion is. 
before then they take that leap maybe into um, more education. When do students typically have to declare a major? Um, That really uh, depends on the student and depends on the school, but at the community college, uh, they need to declare a major or a pre-major at the beginning of their educational journey. We then want them to talk to an advisor and get the supports in their first semester. But really by the end of their first semester, definitely by the end of their first year, they really need to be locked into a major to make sure that all of the courses and the credits that they're taking are going to help them achieve their goal, which is a degree. And what if they're undecided? What does that mean for their academic journey? Um, When they're undecided, what we would do, again, is encourage them to uh, go to career services, really um, do some of the uh, exploration, and go actually talk to people who are in career fields that seem to be interesting. Um, And then make a decision. You know, make a decision. It isn't necessarily the decision for the rest of their life. It's the decision for this particular moment in their life and this particular uh, degree path. Now, we have basic certificates. We have advanced certificates as well as degrees. And we find sometimes that students will come in and they will achieve one of those uh, milestones. They'll go work in the field, and then they'll decide, you know, maybe I want to change and go into another field. That's a great that's a great way to think about the decision-making when it comes to education. Um, if you, I think if you think of your career path, if you think of the people around you in your career path, there are very few people that decided this is what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to get the education, and then that's the only thing I'm doing the rest of my life. Our career journeys tend to move around based on what the economy needs, but also as our interests change. So I just encourage students to really think about where they are talk to people, get exposed as much as you can to where the opportunities are in the labor market, um, and then make that decision and and take the, the education associated with that. How much is a college major going to shape a student's academic life? Well, the major certainly influences what the academic life is because in the courses that you take, they're going to be related to that major topic. So, you know, for instance, if I go into manufacturing and I'm taking my career preparation for manufacturing, you know, everything that I do is going to be the building blocks that are needed for me to get that job in manufacturing. What are some of the most popular majors these days? Um, You know, we see a lot of students who have interest in uh, information technology. We have a lot of students who are interested in our transfer pathways. Um, So as you heard, uh, the uh, previous speaker was talking about the cost of college. And we have a number of students who will come to city colleges. Uh, They will work on um, a transfer pathway, and then they will transfer to one of the four-year partners that we have um, here locally um, to get that that four-year degree. That's that's really a very popular um, option. Do some majors, majors pay off more than others? Do you think that's why some students are looking at information technology? You know, when you think of our economy and our ecosystem, all jobs are not created equal. And so as students are moving through the educational, their educational journey, it's something that they really need to reflect on. There are things in our economy that we need, we absolutely need for our economy to flourish. And they may not be the highest paying jobs. But that comes back to the student and really thinking about their purpose. 
Um, you know, that may seem squishy, but there are things that resonate with one student that may not resonate with someone else. For instance, one student may really want to do um, a caring profession, and another student may be in a space where they're like, I would really prefer not to interact with people in the profession that I have. The great thing about education, the great thing about the Chicago economy, is we have opportunities for for all students based on what it is that relates to their passion, relates to their interest, and also relates to what ultimately is going to connect with their purpose. At City Colleges of Chicago, you give an opportunity for students to get their general education requirements out of the way. Who is that for? Uh, so general education are uh, requirements for um, bachelor's degree programs and for uh, our programs like Associate of Arts and Associate of Science. And those really are the building blocks for a comprehensive degree. And when we think about those, uh, those courses and what they teach a student, they're very much the things that you see are in the highest demand right now by our employers. So our employers are asking for things like problem solving. They're asking for critical thinking. They're asking for the ability to take large amounts of information and and break it down into something that is digestible. Those are the things that are taught in those general education courses um, that we absolutely offer at all seven of our comprehensive community colleges here in Chicago. Given the high cost of tuition that we previously talked about, have you all seen an uptick in enrollment in city colleges because of that people may be coming to get their gen ed out the way and then transferring? You know, we have um, done very well in our enrollment, certainly last year, and we're we're seeing an increase in enrollment. And I, I have to say that People are paying attention to that cost. It is real. Um, And if you have an opportunity to get a high-quality education uh, at a lower cost that is equivalent, um, we definitely encourage students to come explore what's available here at City Colleges. One of the expectations for college students as they finish in four years, is that a realistic standard? You know, the majority of the students who come uh, to our community college are working. And as we know, life happens. When you think about what just recently happened to everyone during the pandemic, um, different demands require different things from for students across the board. And so is it realistic? If a student finds themselves in the space where they can have the habit of mind of being a full-time student and they have a priv- the privilege, really, of just focusing on that, absolutely four years is realistic. But for many other students, they connect with education in very different ways. As I mentioned before, here at City Colleges, you have the ability to take a basic certificate. You can build onto that and have an advanced certificate. You can build onto that and have an associate degree. You can build onto that and then get to the bachelor's level. And that may be a much longer journey. The great news is that for most of the things that I'm referencing, there are work opportunities associated with those even small pieces of education. Do you find that students go back and forth between attending full-time or part-time? You know, I don't have that data. 
uh, right in front of me, but we do see that we have a large number of students who attend part-time. What if a student realizes halfway through that they want to change majors or add a major or minor? What should they keep in mind about completing required courses or even making that switch? We have financial aid advisors and we have advisors um, who are academic advisors. And again, we have um, folks in career centers. And if a student came to me and they were halfway through and they were really thinking that they wanted to change their major, I would make sure that they were talking to all the relevant people here at City Colleges so that they know all of the implications. There could be a financial aid implication for a student if they wanted to switch, just depending on how far along they are in their degree program. So what I would advise them is to really understand what the implications are of that change um, and then to get the necessary support at the institution um, so that they can make that switch confidently. And before I let you go, quick question, is there a hack to balance school, work, and life all at once? Wow, I think it is, you know, I, I, for, for many of our students, it really is a uh, team effort, a community effort. You know, everyone has to understand that, that that school piece is not something that is done lightly. There has to be a commitment to the student being a student, the person being a student. There has to be time for it. This episode of Reset was produced by Nadia Hernandez. It was edited by Linnea Dominic and Ethan Schwab. Hear conversations about education, politics, arts and culture, and more by subscribing to the Reset podcast. And when you do, make sure to leave a quick rating and review so more listeners can find our show. That's all for Reset. I'm Natalie Moore and for Sasha Ann Simons. Talk to you this afternoon.